I'm going to ask you to join me in the 20th chapter of John, and we're going to read uh, from verse 25, and I want to speak today on the subject, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. We're showing you those, the bracelets that we wear. If somebody has on a red one, it says, Jesus is here. If it ha have on a green one, it's we're to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Those are available in the bookstore. What we are wanting to do today in the message that I uh, want to share with you is to understand what that means, that Jesus is here. We believe so much. The people of the world love the darkness more than the light. There is some there in the subconscious that simply says, if I can stay in darkness, I don't feel guilty. When I get out into the light, I feel guilty. Well, Jesus is the light of the world. We have those that have a real problem in understanding what it means to be a Christian. And because they don't know what it means, they have chosen their own theology as to what it means to be a child of God or how you can be born again. And so they have their little thing planned out. I need to go to church every once in a while. Every once in a while, I ought to give an offering. Um, I ought to pray probably at a meal from time to time. And then tragedy comes in the home or sickness or whatever. And, and then there's, well, I need to call somebody because I, I need God right now. If we can just get through this, I don't need God anymore after that. And today, I hope this message will really speak to every one of us. It's spoken to me as I have prepared it. What does it mean that Jesus is here? He said, I will never leave you. And he wasn't talking about everybody. He was talking about, and this message is for those that say that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. What does that mean? How does it affect you? So let's go to John chapter 20, where Jesus appears to his disciples. And I want to go back and start reading with verse 19. Uh, and I believe we'll pick it up on the screen here, uh, ending in about the 25th verse. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus, and he stood in their midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. And then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. Now listen to this. As my Father has sent me, so send I you. So send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive you the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes a difference in a person's life. Church makes a little difference most of the time, but that's not what makes the difference. What changes a person is not the church. What changes a person is not the denomination you affiliate with. What changes a person is Jesus' presence 
24-7 in your life so that everything you say or do, you know, is being observed by Jesus and even through the Holy Spirit, he's living in you if you are a believer and is bringing to you the difference between right and wrong, what you should do and what you should not do. And there's no argument to you with any other flesh and blood because if God says it, that settles it. If he says, I will not leave you, you can't get a room dark enough for him to walk out. You cannot do anything bad enough that God says, well, just go jump in the lake. I care less about you. When Jesus was here, he made sure that his disciples knew what it meant to be a disciple. I think as we continue on, you will see there's a little bit of confusion going on today. In Galatians 6, verse 17, it says, From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Now that's Paul speaking. That's this young man that was so adamant against God that came to know God in a supernatural way. And when he became a believer, most of his friends left him. And then he began to fight the battle against the powers of darkness. And they took their toll on his life. But yet Paul knew in whom he had believed. He was persuaded that he was able to keep that which he had committed unto him until that day that he stood face to face with the Lord. Now there's another in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now listen to this. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, that's one of the strongest statements in all the Bible. If you do not see the sin of this world through the eyes of God, you've got a problem. If God lives in you, why can't we not see what's destroying our country? Why can't we see what's destroying our families? Why can't we see why we are so angry, so bitter, never satisfied? Why? Why? Well, the scripture says, when you are born again and God comes into your life, he convicts you of the ways of righteousness and the ways of sin. He commands us then what to do about it. He says, follow me. I will fight the battles for you if you follow me. But if you start following religion, I don't care even if it's a Christianity religion. The Christianity religion saves nobody. Jesus saves everybody. Whosoever will can come. For us to argue about what, what religion we are part of is not the answer. The answer is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Now, it is to be expected, I think, that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. Until you meet Jesus as your Lord and Savior, until that day comes, 
You have been born in original sin from the day that you were conceived. You have dealt with that all of your life. You were born, you came into this world, and you started growing up. We all had different parents. We had decisions to make. Some began to make decisions when they were small. And parents would lead them to make right decisions. Why, that's a no and this is a yes. There were many things that came into our lives. Some of us were blessed, even in the secular schools, of having Christian teachers who loved the Lord and saw them as a teacher being an extension of the love and the grace and the wisdom of God that could be put into those that were being taught the love of God. And for that, we can be thankful. But that's not true of everybody. Not true of everybody at all. Because, you see, we have come to a day, now listen to me, when the preaching of the cross is foolishness. Not only in the world, but in the professing church. It is not being done in many churches. You stay away from that. That does not draw people in. People want to be to make feel good. They want to live in sin and feel good while they're doing it. And some say, I know a church I can go to and I just feel good every week. I make it till the next week. And I come get my battery charged again. And I just feel better and better and better and better and better. And I don't change anything in my life. I live like I want to live and God loves me unconditionally. But listen, listen. The scripture is very, very clear that the preaching of the cross is you die to self and you live for God. That's your focus. You're not wanting to get out with the bunch. You're wanting to follow him. Matter of fact, there'll be a whole lot of times you don't want anybody but him there because you need to talk over some things that you know you're personally dealing with in your life. We're not perfect people going after imperfect people to make them perfect like us. We are sinners saved by grace. But we're saved if, if there was that day in our life when we acknowledged that we were lost, we acknowledged that the world we were living in was truly the world's world, and that there were very little differences about how we talked, what we did, what we said, how we thought, what our hobbies were, what our habits were, that meant nothing because I have been baptized. I joined the What's Happening Now church, and I am fine. I signed up. And isn't that all you have to do? No. You have to be born again. In order to be born again, your old life has to change. That's what the Bible teaches, not in one verse, but many, many, many times. But we still struggle with that. We cannot seem to pick on, up, up on it. Have you met anybody in your lifetime that thinks that they're going to go to heaven because they're living a good life? I've met thousands of them. I'll share some of mine with you. You don't get to heaven by doing good stuff. I want you to know you won't get one credit today for attending this service. Isn't that terrible? 
have to put up with my preaching and you're not going to get any credit in heaven. You see, you're not here to hear a sermon. You're not here to have fellowship. You're here to meet God. You're here to take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. That's what this altar is for that's usually empty. That's what the prayer room is for that's usually empty, is to go there and close the door and talk to God. And let me tell you something. He isn't going to give you a spanking and then start talking to you. He's going to lift you up and hold you. And if you're weeping, he's going to weep. And if you're rejoicing, he's going to rejoice. But your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And upon Christ, the solid rock, I stand. And all the other ground, and that includes religions, is sinking sand. In the, in the Bible, they sang about the cross. They paid tribute to the cross with their lips. But as far as that being salvation for them, that wasn't. They avoided that. They wanted to just start doing things a little different. And because of that, many of the Bible people died without God and without hope. Our Lord, folks, bore our sins through his son Jesus on a cross. If, that has not, if you have not brought your sins to Jesus and your burdens to Jesus and allowed him to take them and pay the ransom for your life by his shed blood on the cross, you need to do it today. You need to meet with someone that you know has something in their life that most people don't have. God is always there to help us. But to most, that's foolishness. Giving, giving money, that's foolishness. That's all that church wants is my money. That is so silly. That is so crazy. The very thought that you come to think that everything, every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father. God's book says I own everything. I just pass it out where I want it, but it all belongs to me. And when the devil gets a hold of it, it's wasteless. It's foolish. But the way of the cross leads us to the life of Jesus Christ. Our Lord bore our sins once and for all in his own body on a tree. That's what he went to the cross for. But not only were our sins nailed with him, but our very self, our old nature, our old man, that was nailed. We're not what we want to be today if we're believers. And we're not what we ought to be, but we're not what we used to be. But you know quite well, many people, many, 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 many that you know. And they would tell you they're a Christian, and you know. Where is the evidence? I mean, if they were arrested for being a Christian, you couldn't convict them in a court of law. They live like everybody else. But when you've been to the cross, things change. When you come to the cross, you leave the majority and get with the minority. And by the way, if you think we're going to reach enough people to turn that around, you're wrong. The book very clearly tells us, broad is the way that leads to eternal life, and many go therein. Few there are that have Christ in their life. 
but they will be with the Lord one day. We sing about the cross, we pay tribute, but we don't honor it by putting our sins on that cross. Someone has said it like this, a sinner is dead in sin, the Savior died for sins, and the saint is dead to sin. Once you get saved, you now have a source of victory over Satan. You learn to say no. You don't learn like, well, I'll pray about it. You pray about it and always, yeah, I'll come. I'll be there. I'll do that. Yeah, get me one. Order me one. Yeah, I'd like to have that Friday night with you. No, not when you're saved. When you're saved and you go to the Lord, first of all, he gives you a big loving hug and says, thanks for coming. But I want you to do what I would do. And here's what I would do in your situation. You know, if if you're carrying a burden today, why don't you ask the Lord at some point today, God, I'm going to take all this stuff to you. I'm going to get by myself. And I want you to tell me how to deal with this. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will comfort you in a way that maybe you've never been comforted. You know what he's going to tell you? Let me have it. Let me have it. Let's you and me communicate. Read my word every day. Take that book of Proverbs, 31 chapters, and read one chapter a day and see what that'll just do for your life. Pick up your, it's okay to go like this, you know. Uh-huh. Great are thy tender mercies, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgments. Now, I just picked that out. Do you think that's relevant for today? Of course it is. For you too, by the way, not just for the preacher. We all need to learn how to deal with the all-seeing eye of God. You may hide from your mother and your daddy and your friends and your mate. You'll never, you'll never hide from the Holy Spirit. Wherever we go, he is there. But we are alive in Christ. Thomas demanded that he see the marks of the cross on Jesus before he would worship and before he'd give his life to the Lord. But today, the unbelieving world is looking for the marks of the cross in those who claim to have died and for their, died to sin with their Savior and who profess the resurrected life. They're looking for evidence. They're looking for evidence. Lost people are looking for evidence in people that are saved or say that they're saved. Where's the proof? Where's the proof? Have you ever been anywhere and somebody say to you, it's something everybody's just having a party, 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 having a great time. And somebody say, are you saved? And, they, and you say, yeah, I'm saved. I'm saved. Yeah, I'm saved. I'm saved. And they say to you, well, why are you here? Do you hear what I said? Why did you go? Why are you there? What are you, what are you trying to do with your life? See, the world sometimes is a little smarter than we think they are. I mean, you know how to talk the talk, and you can just say, now you lay me down to sleep, pray my soul, soul take me far awake, take it. That's not Christianity. Coming to church is not Christianity. Reading the Bible is not Christianity. You know what Christianity is? Dying to self and let Jesus live his life through you. When that happens, there will never be another need that you'll ever have that God won't meet. Financial, physical. You say, 
Well, I thought we were going to all die. You bet. And if you're saved, it's a promotion. Yes, amen. Yeah, the only doctors in heaven are going to be there because they're saved, not because they went to medical school. And the same thing is true of preachers. And the same thing is true of you. You must be born again. You must be born again. People that see real Christians, and they begin to talk to them, and they get a little bit more open to them, they may get a question like this. They may look at somebody like you and say, you mean you really don't enjoy sinning? <laughs> say, well, if you don't, you hadn't tried the right sins. That's what they're thinking. But you know what? If Jesus lives in your life, your day of enjoying sin is in the past. It isn't coming back. No. You say, well, I want God to take that away. He doesn't take anything away from me. He trades. We traded the devil for Jesus. We traded death for life. We traded the past, which is temporary, for that which is eternal. We have every reason to live today. We have every reason to get a hold of whatever part of our world, that, whatever part of the world that we're living in, and help people get to Jesus. But Paul, he bore the marks of Jesus. When he went to jail and he was chained to a prisoner, the prisoner would get saved. Our Lord was one that would use people, take them where they were, put them where he wanted them to be, and use them for the glory of God. Peter, the fisherman. David, a young man with such talent. And that life is so many stories and so many sermons and so many Bible teaching. But you see, when you're carnal and not born again, you work for Jesus. But when you're born again, you let Jesus work through you. You hear what I'm saying? We don't do anything good. He does the good, but he needs to work through us. That's different. That's big difference. Nobody's saved by your good works. You say, well, I'm going to quit half of what I'm doing. Good. Start over again. Be born again. And then you can know that you know that Jesus Christ lives in your life. The tragedy of today is that men are looking for the resurrected Christ, the living Christ, and they see him not in some of our lives. They don't see Jesus in us. They have real trouble seeing Jesus in us. I hear what you say. I hear you like your church. I hear you like th things uh, that are spiritual and you like to read the Bible. And, and you hear that kind of talk. But yet down deep in their life, they realize when the real pressure comes and the temptation comes, you go with it. And they're right back where they've always, always been. Sometimes we use Jesus in our life. We tell people, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Christian. That's not the answer. That's using Jesus. We've got to be a doer of the word. We cannot live on the talk. We have to be right with him. It's so easy to be orthodox 
in one's belief about him, but not live like him in our life. There's people who argue this Bible with you till, till forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But that old song, let others see Jesus in you, is the strongest witness that we have. They've got to see it. They've got to see conviction. They have got to see people that are, are willing to say no to self and yes to God. As we look out and we think about the future, if we think about Envision, with these 400 teenagers here today, 600, 700 in our children's building today, what about those kids? What does their future hold? How important is it that we get our young people that are coming behind us under the sound and the practice of the inspired and errant and infallible Word of God and teach our young people to love God and to love yourself as Jesus loves you and to be living proof of a loving God to your generation. How important is that to the future of America? I want to say this for the 1,000th time probably. Politics is not going to do it. Quit arguing about it. Pray for our leaders. That's what we're supposed to do. You bet we're supposed to pray and then vote. But then let go and let God. And start lifting up Jesus. Get Jesus' name mentioned out of your mouth more than whoever, whatever. That's not the answer. The answer is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's the sweetest name I know. But we're in danger, folks. Now listen to me carefully. The church is in danger of forgetting that the way of the cross cuts across every plan, purpose, and principle of natural will and wisdom in the human being. It's totally different. It's not reasonable. It's not explainable. You can't explain grace. You can't explain love. You can't explain forgiveness. But by faith, not by sight, we can walk with the Lord here and in the world to come. Sometimes people feel like if I'm successful with the Lord, then I'm going to fail somewhere else. If you do, he'll pick you up and he'll set you on the solid rock. We have a lot of medals today for Christianity, but we don't have many scars. We have a lot of things we honor, but there's no scars. We have not done what Jesus did and his followers to forsake all, to follow him. They are simply the marks of our identification with our Lord. Death to our own plan, death to our own purpose, death to our own personal desires. That we might have his way instead of our way. The real issue is not giving up this particular thing or that habit, but renouncing our claim to ourselves and just simply say, not I, but Christ. When that happens, it's a new day. When it happens to an individual, that individual gets a new life, a new look. When it happens to a family, the family changes. When it happens to a church, the church changes. When it happens to a government, the government changes. But we have to do it his way.
We have to give up living our own life. The minute we, we resign and turn it over to the Lord, good things begin to happen. As he is, the Bible says, so are we to be in this life. Not my will, but thine be done. I'm going to start something, and I want you to end it. It's very brief. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Let's do that again. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Question, if God's going to do his will on earth, who's he going to do it through? I hope you say, I hope me. Does that say I'm perfect? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you want to be more like him. You'll never get to a point to where it's, I think I finally made it. I got the quota. I'm in. I understand that 65% are going to go to heaven, and I got in on 64. No, no, no. You'll go back if you didn't grow up in church and didn't learn every day with Jesus. It's sweeter than the day before. You'll thank it. You don't have to sing it, but you will thank it. I want to meddle just a minute. And when I ask this question, uh, I'm going to go out the back door, I'm sure, for some. But uh, this got me to thinking. I just wrote this down. What's the most important thing to God? The Astros winning the World Series and the Texans winning the Super Bowl are, st are students coming to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and dedicating their life to serve God for the rest of their years. Well, I can sure tell you that the baseball and the football finds it a whole lot easier to get money than those that are trying to tell people about Jesus. Just a thought. Don't want to convict anybody. <laughs> God's got a sense of humor. I got a sense of humor. I hope you do. If we're Christians, we're dead to sin, but we're living for God. It's great. Take people to the ball game, win them to Jesus. That's good. First, place is, first base is salvation. Second place base is, is baptism. Third place is joining the church. And heaven is home. Just preach to them up there in the stands. They, they won't bum a ticket off of you anymore. <laughs> but let me tell you something about baseball if you don't know this. I think it happened in the World Series. Very important. In baseball, you got to touch all the bases. And if you miss first base and hit it clear out of the park and out of Texas, the ball, if you don't touch first base, you don't score. What's first base? Being born again. You must touch first base. And we're living in a generation that wants to start out at maybe at second or maybe at third or on their deathbed. I've often been called to people that are dying to come and pray because they're about to die and we don't know if they're saved or not. I had that happen this week. It's happened many, many times in my life. But here's what I know. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. The thing I know, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The thing I know is that upon the rock, the church, he said upon this rock, Jesus, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If we're Christians, we're dead to sin, and we are alive to God. And we must magnify our blessings 
and carry our burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Our faith can overcome our fears. Do you have that kind of faith? Can you honestly say to yourself in a mirror, I've got that kind of faith. I know God is going to guide me, lead me, provide for me, protect me. I know that when he's through, he's going to take me home and there'll be no more weeping. There'll be no more sickness for the former things have passed away. Remember this. Beyond the cross, there's a crown. We don't get the crowns here. We get the crowns there. It's up to us. You don't get the crown if you don't come to the cross. You don't get the crown by joining an organization. You don't get the crown by being baptized. You get the crown when you acknowledge an absolute fact. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I was born in sin. Nobody taught me sin. I was born that way. And I want Jesus in my life. Is that true with you? People say, you know, people aren't coming to church anymore. Well, why aren't they coming? Let me ask you a question. How many people have you brought to church that don't know the Lord in the past 365 days? How many? How many have you brought? I have to do the same thing as you have to do. Our responsibility is to get people to Jesus, and we think the church is the best place. My question is, when you say, I don't understand why there's so many empty seats in churches today, my question to you is, how many people have you brought to church in the last year that don't know Jesus? Like Brother Tron gave his testimony a while ago. Those Vietnamese people, God bless them. We used to have a bunch of them after the war, and there's nothing that touched my life like that nation for Christ. God is just so good. He is so good. And we are so sometimes religious. How many people came to Jesus this past year because they met you? Just not to church, just to Jesus. And the reason they came to Jesus is they met you. If not, we don't know where they would be. But you were at the beauty shop. You were at the barber shop. You were at the ball game. I'm not against ball game. Maybe you're out hunting. Maybe you're out fishing. You know, I'm guilty as anybody, that kind of stuff. But you know what? There isn't anything more exciting on a fishing trip than your biggest catch being a, a lost soul. There's not anything better than a great hunting trip with all the boys. It's with somebody came to know Jesus. As they sat out there and watched those stars and those sunrises and sunsets and the beauty of what God's made. And remember, the Bible says, I've made myself so evident in creation, you're without excuse. Let's tell them. When we're outdoors, indoors, the rich people, the poor people, the multicolors, God made everything. And he made you and he made me. So I close with this. Where are the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ on your life? Where are they? Do you have any? Question number two. Do others see in you the evidence that you have refused to allow this carnal world to destroy you? In other words, you can say, I am so strong. 
I, can over, I have overcome alcoholism, rebellion, hate, anger. Thanks to Calvary, I've overcome that. And I understand that God loves everybody. I understand that God has a plan for everybody's life. And because I understood, I have given my life to him. People look at those of us who invited Jesus into our life. And then we were obedient in baptism. And you know why they're looking at us? To determine if Jesus really changed our life. Boy, boy, I wish we could just turn the mic open right now. We'd be here till next Sunday of people coming up out of this audience say, what a wonderful change in my life took place. Let me tell you the story. We'd be shouting. We wouldn't even have to be Pentecostal. We wouldn't have to move our membership. We'd just be old cold Baptists and get so excited about the Lord. Well, I want to leave you with this thought as we go home. Or no, I hope not. I hope we go to the Bible study class and the next service will be here in just a few minutes. But I want you to write something down. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. You got it? 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. I'm closing with this brief scripture. I want everybody here to know what the Bible says. You've heard me say this many times, but it just goes like this. I want you to have it down in writing, and I want you to go home and read this. If you're concerned about what's happening in America, if you're concerned about what's happening in our world, if you're concerned about climate change, if you're worried about all of this stuff, it's really bothering you, know this scripture. Listen. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those who are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses, lead captive silly women laden with sin, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. The truth will set you free. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father but by him. And if you're born again, your life has changed. If all you've got is membership at the church and a, one Bible at your house that's seldom read, you need Jesus. And you know what? He'll love you as if you've been perfect because his blood is going to cover your sin.